0: 15, Deuteronomy chapter 15, the wonderful grace of Jesus, amen. We've been going through the book of Deuteronomy and you know we've uh, I've tried to give you surveys without getting deep into the Pentateuch or into, the, um, into each one of the laws uh, that, uh, and the sacrifices that, uh, and yet give you a general overview so that when we do read the Bible we have an understanding of what's going on. But sometimes there's just a certain passage that just sticks out. And I want to slow down, and of course there are several that uh, uh, just preach a whole message on one chapter. But uh, Deuteronomy 15 is much like that. It's, it's full of ethical situations. It's also full of a, a principle um, that we want to look at tonight. But in chapter 15, we see and at the end of every seven years, of course, uh, uh, seven was a number that seemed like uh, Israel revolved around seven days a week, the Sabbath day, the sabbatical year, which was the land was laid fallow, and also that year where every debt was to be relieved. And so we notice he says um, that you shall grant relief of the debts. So that tells us a whole econ- economical system is set up, a you know, whole econ- economy is set up around seven. So, if you could only have a debt for a maximum of seven years, how much money would you loan out, knowing that if they don't pay it, then by the end of seven years, then uh, or, or the sixth year, at the end of six years, that you would have to just let them let it go? You're not going to loan out a whole lot of money, right? It's going to keep short-term debts. But then there is also a situation that uh, you know. Uh, as opposed to credit cards today, where people run from them or whatever else, if you didn't pay the debt, then you can legally be enslaved for the, until the sixth year or the end of the sixth year, or your children could be enslaved. And so there again, we see we um, um, we see that uh, in fact, what happened the, for this principle was used with uh, people coming to the United States back or to the the colonies back uh, uh, in colonial days when uh, they would, uh, the Europeans would say, okay, if you'll work, or the people in America landed gentry or say, if you'll work for me seven years and I'll grant you your freedom or whatever. Uh, That had its problems and so forth, but uh, it worked, Uh, there were thousands of people that came over with that uh, stipulation. But here we see that uh, seven years and you had to give up the debt, or if you, uh, if you were in debt, let's say that two years, and you didn't pay that debt, then uh, you faced slavery. You faced uh, going and working for that man until the debt was paid or until the end of the sixth year. I doubt if you would see million-dollar loans very often. I doubt if you'd see, you know, so uh, we see that the idea of debt or a debt economy, a Keynesian economy like uh, we have in America that started back in the early part of the 20th century where uh, debt was supposed to produce wealth uh, would be not something that a Jew would even think of. And so we see that if you were in debt, uh, then um, there were stipulations whether you paid it off one way or the other. And notice it says in verse 2, In this form of release, every creditor who has lent anything to his neighbor shall release it, and he shall not require it of his neighbor, of his, of his brother, uh, because the Lord has called this. And the foreigner, you may require it. So there again, if you have uh, aliens living within, your, uh, within the economy, then this did not apply to them. But he says in verse 4, Except when there be no poor among you, uh, the lord will greatly bless you in the land so this is true until there's no poor in your land well notice in verse 11 he says for the poor will never cease from the land so how often are you to do this <laughs> as long as the land is there and so we see that uh, you this is a this was a universal principle that they were to live by. Whether the nation lasted 50 years or 5,000 years, this was a rule that God had set for Israel. In verse 5, he says, And if you carefully obey the voice of your God and observe what, with care all these commandments, which I command today, the Lord your God will bless you uh, just as he promised you. You may lend to many nations." So you may be a a nation lender, but you shall not borrow uh, from those nations, for you shall reign over many nations, but they shall not reign over you. There's a principle there. You can loan money to nations, because if you do, you'll have a certain amount of control over them. But if they loan to you, you are not to have them loan to you because they will have control over you. The, the principal, again, the borrower is servant to the lender. Folks, why are we in such trouble today? Why are we in such trouble with China and all the rest? They own half the national debt when I say that. But, you know, they, they own a considerable part and so many people. They're greatly feared that one of the great fears is that some of these nations will start calling in their debt. And they want those trillions of dollars that we owe on the national debt. That's scary, isn't it? But that's a principle that God says don't do it. Don't borrow from other nations. And so that's one of the principles we see here. In verse uh, 7, he says, If there be any, uh, if a poor among your brother, uh, your men of your brethren, with any gates in your land, which the Lord your God is giving you, you sh- shall not harden your heart, nor shut your hand from the poor brother. And of course, we look back at the uh, corners of the field that were supposed to be left, and then the gleanings and the harvest, of course, that we see Ruth having. Those were all welfare systems that God had set up for, so that uh, the poor could eat. Uh, He says, but you shall open your hand wide and willingly lend him sufficient for his need, whatever he needs. I was, uh, Dominic was telling me about uh, some politician who wants to give all of our government money away. And they've just done a, uh, you know, they have this credit or this uh, reporting. And the guy gives less than 2% of, of anything to anybody. And yet he makes millions off of the government. And so, uh, you know, that's what, you know, leadership is from the top down. And you lead by example. And unfortunately, we have a lot of people that, uh, what is it, NIMBY? I saw that this past week. In by, not, NIMBY is whatever they, not in my backyard. You know, I want it in everybody else's backyard, but not mine. And so here we see that uh, uh, this has been so true with leadership. And he says, but beware lest uh, you be wicked, uh, thought, uh, in your heart. And the seventh year is the year of release. Now, I like what uh, Chuck Missler says and others. He's done the study. 490 years the nation of Israel existed. And they never practiced the sabbatical year. So if you go seven times 70, then you have 490 years. How long were the children of Israel in Babylon, 70 years, and the land laid fallow for how long? 70 years. So, God got his years back, God got his people back, and so, or got his uh, principal back. And so, we see that uh, he says, They cry out uh, against you, and so forth. He goes on, but now let's skip on down to verse 12. And if your brother or Hebrew or Hebrew woman is sold to you, there again, that uh, lack of debt, and serves you six years, then in the seventh year you shall let them go free from you, and when you send them away free from you, you shall not go, they shall not go away empty-handed. So you are to, you are to give them a, a severance allowance. Help them get back on their feet. That's the reason they're with you in the first place is because they were out of money. They couldn't pay their debts. So now if you employ these people as your slave, bond servant, basically is what the term is, then you are to treat them well, and you are to make sure that because they're with you, now when you release them, get, help them to get started again on a clear path. He says, and you shall supply him liberally from your flock and from your threshing floor and from the winepress, and from what the Lord your God has blessed you with, you shall give to him. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the land your God redeemed you. Therefore, I command you this day. And if it happens, okay, now here's a situation that comes up. If it happens that he says, I will not go away from you, because he loves you and your house. Since he prospers with you, then you shall take an awl—that's a kind of a pointed stick or a, 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 metal, a piece of metal or whatever—and uh, thrust it through his ear to the door, identifying him with the household. And he shall be your servant forever. And also to your female servant, he shall do like—you uh, shall do likewise. And it shall not seem to you that you should send him away free from you, for he has been worth a double hired servant in your um, in serving you six years. Then the Lord your God will bless you in all that you do. Notice the blessings that if you will treat your the poor right, if you will treat the slave, okay, we set up a slavery economy, but if you even treat your indentured servants right, then I will bless you. You know, there's a lot of... Uh, principles there i've talked to many uh, several people uh, throughout my ministry and now i think of one man right now just comes up point he said pastor i walked into the office the um, uh, and i've been working there for 35 years and i tried to get on my computer and it was blocked and he said uh, the next thing i knew a security guard was coming up to my cubicle and uh, they told me, "Okay, you've got 30 minutes to get all your things. You have been fired." Oh. 35 years, and he, you know, just out there, and uh, and it was in a rough time during uh, in Michigan. It was, uh, I mean, everybody was broke. Everybody, you know, uh, signs up on 75 saying the last person out of Michigan, turn off the lights, and all those kinds of things. You know, it was just a depression time. Churches were closing, all kinds of things were happening. And that's the way they treated people. And, uh, you know, why is it that, uh, you know, just the average person uh, like that uh, just gets, you know, without warning, fired? And yet you have other people that make millions of dollars and they get severance packages. You know, so there again, you can see there's that uh, volatile uh, competitive work, that adversarial role that uh, our culture has caused or okay so you got the workers against the people against the employment employment against and then you get the politicians all involved and you talk about the workers party who's really not the workers party they are more for their own selves and they'll use the workers to get what they want and the workers become poorer for some reason but all these different things we see if they if they could follow what god had said you know i i know of a christian organization i think of a man that i can name right now but i won't but uh, he had a, um, and they were paying him just hardly anything, uh, but he was serving them and working quite, but they had a disagreement. And the head of that uh, Christian organization uh, directed that when he went to the office the next day, all of his stuff was outside and he was gone. Folks, that's unscriptural. I don't care who it is. I don't care how, uh, what big name the person is. You don't treat people and employees that way. Notice he says that uh, a slave, even a slave, deserves severance package. Help them get started. Help them on their way. I mean, be kind to your brother. Meet the needs. Now, I, conversely, I think of times in my family when uh, I think of my mother back in, when I just was starting to, to realize what life was about. When I was eight years old. My mother had some major uh, had, uh, surgery, and uh, we were down to nothing. And I remember my dad talking about how that her his his uh, boss Hoyle Pounds would just come by and put a hundred dollar bill in his pocket. In 1958, a hundred dollar bill was a week's wage, and just put it in his pocket. You know, so there's good people out there, and yet there are turkeys out there too. So we see how that that how that it works both ways. And so this is the type of thing—a giving type of society, a giving type of culture, where we're looking for ways. And notice he doesn't say a thing about government doing it. It's for the good of the people doing it. You realize that the United States has been the most giving, because, and all the way up until 19, uh, until, until the Wilson uh, administration in 1916, there was more money that was given through churches and individuals for the welfare of the country than the entire federal budget. And so that's the reason you have Baptist hospitals, you have Presbyterians, you have Catholic I mean, people just, I mean, uh, things that happen. I think of uh, one thing especially is uh, Teddy Roosevelt Sr. was a good Presbyterian Sunday school teacher and they're in New York. And uh, he would take men, train them in business, and then send them out to the West to start their own And thousands of men got their business starts out West by people like Teddy Roosevelt that trained them and how to make a little money and then helped them get started, get them out of that borough or whatever. And uh, paid their train fare and everything to get them out to, so that they can make a living. But his son came along and said, let's let the government do it, unfortunately. And so Teddy Roosevelt and Woodrow uh, Wilson really were turning points when it came to the added some of the things that we have in our country today. And it's gotten a whole lot worse than them. But there uh, again, just some of the, okay, that's some politics I better get out of. But at the same time, you know, uh, just it's interesting how that uh, when, the Bi- when we do what the Bible tells us to do, even when we don't know that we're doing it, God bless us. But then we want to look very quickly at this idea of a man who looks at, he says, you know, I am making, this man loves me so much. And I've fallen in love with so many things that he's doing around here and his family. And I really don't want to leave. And I could do better living here than possibly because he never was disciplined, he knows it or whatever. But he says, you know, I am willing to become a bond servant the rest of my life. And so he would go and talk to the to the owner or to the to, to his master, and the master would either say yes or no. But he said if there was a yes, then there was a excuse me, there was a legal transaction, and they would go before the court. And the court would say, "Okay, this is legal you this is what you want and then they would take a an awl and they would go to the door symbolizing that this he's part of the household now, and they would put a hole in the earlobe of the man, the pierced ear and then they would usually take a ring or some some something to let the people know that this person is a voluntary slave he's not you know he's not uh Obligated, but this man is part of the household, and so he would actually become part of the household. A little bit different than uh, than uh, uh, an heir, he would not own the land or anything like the the sons of the master would or the family, but he would work and become and become could become very prosperous in doing that, and so we see that. Uh, that uh, there were advantages to this there in this time. Now, that is not something we advocate today, but this is something back in this agrarian society that God would use. But it's interesting as you look at that about a voluntary servitude. And we think about, uh, about what Paul tells us over in the book of Romans and he tells us that we serve, you know, as and he talked about. Remember, he said before you, uh, before you were, um, you were slaves in Egypt. And there again, that was before you know the picture of redemption. Uh, the Red Sea crossing is a picture of redemption. How that they escaped bondage and sin was destroyed. The master of sin was destroyed, and God set them free. Well, uh, that is used, you know, even with Paul in the book of Romans. And Romans is a legal book, or is a book on legalities. And, of course, he starts off with a, in verse, chapters 1 through 3 about us being condemned and enslaved to sin. And as you would look, if you, got to, if you would like to turn over to it, uh, note, he says um, about how that, um, that uh, in verse uh, 20, 21, he says, Because although they knew God, so there was a time when they knew God. They did not glorify him as God, neither were they thankful. but became futile or vain in their imaginations or their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools, and changing the glory of the incorruptible God into the image of incorruptible man and birds and four-footed things, they became idolaters. Therefore God gave them up to uncleanness. In other words, God says, if you want to go that route, then go that route. And they voluntarily became slaves to sin. They, just as much as if you put an all through, they were identified with sin. And only that he goes on, and of course, most of us know how that the just the degradation of sin. It just goes downhill from there. And it talks about all kinds of things and immorality and all, and perversions that happen and violence that happens when man rejects God. And, uh, but then he says, at the very end of uh, the chapter in verse 32, he says, who knowing the righteousness judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death. Not only do they do the same, I mean, they knew what God's, god's laws but they they knew them but not only do the same as far as sin but also approve of those who practice them you know you think of hollywood and we have to be careful with this oh we wouldn't practice this sin but we will watch people who do it oh we would never commit adultery but we'll watch the shows that do where they all do and so we approve of those who do, and we become, in our own way, and our own thoughts become slaves of sin. And one of the reasons I think that the divorce rate shot up so much in the fifties and sixties were soap operas, women, be, ladies, be ironing their clothes and watching the brighter day or whatever else, and all of a sudden, divorce became a great option. And they'd be said, there, "There's, there's that turkey husband of mine. He's just like that, or whatever." You know? And then again, men were the same way with the playboy for philosophy. And so we, you know, we didn't do it, but we watched it, and we allowed it in our own hearts. And that's what God says: how we become slaves to sin. And then, as you go on in chapters two and three of the book of of uh, of uh, Romans. You'll see that uh, he takes us to the slave market of sin in chapter 2, all the way through, halfway through chapter 3. And then he takes us to the courtroom of sin and where we have to be declared righteous by God. And then he explains it in chapter 4 about how that Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. In chapter 5, he talks about uh, now we have access to God. Because we can go boldly before the throne of grace because we have our sins have been forgiven. But then in chapter 6, if you turn to chapter 6, we see that, uh, what then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? No, that's the thing that we escape. God forbid. Uh, certainly not. How shall any man uh, uh, who died to sin live any longer there in it? So if you're dead to sin, how can you live in it? And of course, so, so he's talking about how. Of course, we still have two natures, and he goes on and he talks about this. He says in verse twelve: "Therefore, let sin uh, let not sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey its lust thereof." And so we got a battle to go on, and we see that we have some examples. In fact, do you know that uh, that Paul? And Peter, and James, and Jude, all called themselves a bond servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, they said, "We have voluntarily," and that's what it took. This this was a voluntary act to serve this master. It was also um, something um, that he took upon himself. It was his responsibility. He was. Um, and of course, another thing, but he did it because of his love for his master. He was bound by love. And did not, the Lord, did not Paul say, the love of God constrains me? Paul, a bondservant of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then, of course, it is something that provided security. And also, it was permanent. And so we see that this was something that, uh, that was entered into fully knowing and it was voluntary. Nobody can do it for you. And, um, and, we don't, and so we see that God expects it, I mean, a commitment from us. But that's totally voluntary. I can't do it for you. As a church, I can't set up things and say, and this is one thing, well, what religion does. And when it does, it's wrong. Uh, if you don't do this, this, and this, then you don't please me. That means you can't please God. No, that's not what it is. No, we are a bondservant of the Lord Jesus Christ, not of another man. But then uh, I like what uh, David said. He said, sacrifice and offering uh, thou didst not desire. Mine ears have been pierced. The word there is uh, my ears have been opened. But uh, Spurgeon and others uh, who have quoted this and have, uh, and actually Greek, uh, Hebrew scholars say that word is pierced. My ears uh, hast thou pierced. Bird offering and sac- and sin offerings hast thou not required? And then, of course, he quotes the, uh, what the future Lord Jesus Christ would say on the earth. He said, "Then I said, Lo, I come in the volume of the book that is written. I delight to do your will, O my God." And of course, what did the Lord Jesus say? I do all things to please my Father. And also, we know that uh, in Philippians chapter two. The Bible tells us that he made himself of no reputation, but took took upon himself the what? The form of a servant, a bondservant. Jesus Christ literally came and he was willing to take upon himself the form of a bondservant, a slave, in order for us to be freed from sin. And so we see that this principle is there. And what does God call us to do? He says, love me with all your heart. I don't want you to serve me because you have to. I want it to be that you love me so much that you want to be part of my household. I want you to be, and I I want you to receive the blessings. And not only that, you will be treated not as a bondservant, but as a son. And you will receive an inheritance. That's a, a pay grade above, or that's a, as a, as an increase from, uh, from what the Old Testament had. And so the grace of God makes us children of God. Why? Because we had a bondservant who died for us. And all he asks us to do is to become part of his household. Have the, um, have the all placed through our ear. And take upon ourselves that form of a servant. And there's security. There's love. There's togetherness. There's identity. There's safety in being with the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know. Us being Americans, we are repulsed by, you know, giving ourselves over for any length of time to be a servant. But oh my, it must have been something to have a a boss or to have a master that was so good to you that you're willing to serve him the rest of your life. That's trust, because you don't know what's going to happen the next day if you give your total rights to him. But folks, if we give our total rights to the Lord Jesus Christ, what does he say? No good thing will I withhold from them who walk uprightly. I love you with an everlasting love. I'll never, ever, ever leave you or forsake you. You serve me and you will see what it's like to be in the household of God. What a blessing it is. I think of that song, the path that I have trod has brought me nearer to God, though off it led through sorrow's gates. Though not the way i choose, in my ways I might lose the joy that yet for me awaits. Not what I wish to be, nor where I wish to go. For who am I that I should choose my way? The Lord shall choose for me. Tis better far I know. So let him bid me go or stay. Oh, as someone has said, Um, God gives his best to those who will give their best to him. Oh, that we would serve him. We are no fools to give up that which we cannot keep, to gain that which we cannot lose. Oh, that God can use us as bondservants of himself, of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your great love, and sacrifice for us that you were willing to come and be a bond servant for our sins that you were willing not your will but your father's will to die on the cross if there was any other way you would have done it but lord we realize the price you paid for our freedom for our redemption. And Lord, as we were once sin, as we were slaves to sin, oh Lord, may we live vict- uh, victorious over that sin that we every day that an all would be placed through our ear and we would dedicate our lives totally to you, realizing, Lord, it's not our will, but your will to be done. Bless your people, Lord. Make servants of us wise and prosperous and part of the family of God that is centered in love and strength and security and joy of the Holy Spirit. Bless, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.